This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Well, ladies and gentlemen, and by gentlemen, I mean the one gentleman who listens to this podcast, my husband. Love you, babe. We have officially hit 100 episodes of the Raw Beauty Talks podcast, which is crazy. Honestly, I feel like it was just yesterday that we were trying to decide what to call the podcast. And I put up a post in Instagram and asked everyone uh, what we should call it. I had three different titles. I trying to remember what they were. I wish I had a better memory. Anyways, I put up these three titles and you girls picked Raw Beauty Talks, which was the name of our Instagram handle, which was the obvious choice. I was trying to complicate it and come up with some different name. We then put together a list of our dream guests. We started reaching out to people. And here's the thing, whenever you're starting something in life, it's best to start putting it out there, speaking it out loud, Uh, putting out requests before you feel ready because then the ball's rolling and you just got to kind of keep up. That's my strategy for everything. I just start, I just get out of my head and I get going. It's completely imperfect, but here we are a hundred episodes later, a hundred perfectly imperfect episodes about people's perfectly imperfect lives. And I'm so proud of the show. I'm so proud of the guests that we've had their own vulnerability in opening up for these conversations and sharing some of their most challenging moments, the things that have really forced them to look within and dig deep into the tools, as we call them. We were thinking about doing a highlight reel of our favorite moments from different episodes, but really as we started to dig in, there were favorite moments from every episode, and I just want you to listen to them, and most of you are, which is wild. Most of you are (laughs) listening to all the episodes, which is crazy. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in week after week, keeping this show going and and being such an important part of it. Before we get started, can you do me a huge favor to help me celebrate 100 episodes? Can you screenshot this episode or copy the link and send it to one person that you love? Maybe a family member, maybe a BFF. This is a great way to touch base. Send them an episode that you think would resonate with them or just say, hey, I've been listening to this podcast. I think you might love it. That would be truly the greatest way that you could help me celebrate this 100 episode milestone. So we're switching things up today. I'm gonna do my first Q&A. I, again, over on Instagram, you better be following us over there. I asked you to ask your questions, to ask me anything. A couple of my girlfriends also thought that it would be funny in the ask me anything questions to ask me some really embarrassing questions that they already know the answer to, but they want me to talk about it. And so you know what? I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to share the answers to the things that they think will embarrass me the most. Because that's what I'm here for, right? It's all about those moments that we don't want to share with anyone that I live for. Let's dive in. We're going to start with some easy ones about the podcast in general. So Carly, actually a few people asked this, but what? who is your dream podcast guest? 
the first people that come to mind, and there's no way I could just give you one person, um, are Oprah, duh, obviously. I will have her on the show or have a conversation with her or at least have one of those pictures that 500 million people have where they're standing with her in front of the Oprah screen with her arm around. She's the queen of interviewing I have to have her on the show. Michelle Obama, obviously, of course, she's the most incredibly poised woman. And I want to know what is behind that highlight reel. I think there's so much that we can all learn from her. Chrissy Teigen. I mean, I'd like to just hang out with Chrissy Teigen at her pool. Give me a lounge chair and a virgin margarita. And uh, I would just, yeah, I mean, I have, I have so many questions for this woman. I want to know about her breast explant. I want to know how she's feeling after everything she's been through this year. I want to know what John's like in the bedroom. Okay. I'm just kidding. I actually don't want to know that at all, but girl talk with Chrissy Teigen. That would be a good episode. Gloria Steinem, who is an idol, somebody that I have looked up to and I'm just amazed by, and she just seems so wise and has just lived her life in this big, beautiful, bold way. So I would love to dig into that brain. Jamila Jamil. Oh, she's somebody we have been trying to get on the show forever. If you're listening right now and you could do me a favor, go over to her Instagram page, send her team a DM, flag the Raw Beauty Talks show. I mean, this girl is incredible. The way that she is showing up in Hollywood, the conversations that she's having so important, so aligned with the conversations that we're having. And then just flipping over into two different groupings of people, I guess you would call them, that you probably wouldn't expect. I mean, I would die to have the Biebers on. I'm obsessed with Justin Bieber and Hailey Bieber now as a result. It's weird. I don't know how to explain it. I'm a complicated human being, but I love his music his swag, his tattoos. Scott knows this already. He also loves him. So our most frequent saying in our home is Alexa, play Justin Bieber. And then my other grouping that you probably wouldn't expect as well would be the Kardashians. Fascinated by them. There are a lot of things about them that I find really challenging, but I'd want to talk about that. I would want to ask all the questions. I would want to know what they think about how some of the products that they've endorsed might impact other women. I would want to know how they feel about the core setting. I would want to know how much of the show is real. I mean, I already know the answer to that, but I just, I I want to dig into all of these questions and I have so many questions for them. So I could talk about the Kardashians in particular for a whole episode. Let's not do that today. Let's move on to the next question. Who were you most nervous interviewing? I was most nervous interviewing Katrina Scott from Tone It Up the second time I interviewed her because she is the nicest, sweetest human being ever. There's zero reason to be nervous, but I recorded the first episode with her and I didn't hit record properly. So the whole audio was gone and I had to reach out to her. I mean, she's a busy woman with lots to do. And so asking for her to re-record the episode was just... I felt awful, Uh, but she was so gracious about it. And then the other one wasn't an interview, but I had an opportunity to meet Ashley Graham in a private setting while she was doing some uh, filming for her social, I believe. 
and to have a conversation with her. And I mean, Ashley Graham is somebody who I have been obsessed with from the moment she started to appear. And I just adore her and everything she stands for and everything she's created within this industry of modeling and fashion and the barriers that she's broken down. I mean, I went in to meet her. And again, I have this response. I blacked out. I went in for the hug. I went in to hug her and I don't even know her. And she didn't even know who I was. Like she didn't know I was coming to meet her. She was just doing her thing. And she's like, why is this random chick here hugging me? Uh, And then I proceeded to ask her about a hundred times as she was filming this blog where they were doing a makeup look. Oh, I can't believe you don't put on any makeup before you do the makeup look. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I feel like most of the bloggers put something on their face before, but I love that you don't. I love that you're starting completely raw. And then afterwards I was like, what? Like she is a freaking supermodel. This woman doesn't need to wear anything on her face. Why were you bringing that up? Why were you, you know how we do that as women? You know how we, we go to the event or we have the conversation and then we overanalyze it afterwards. Well, I went into full overanalyzing mode. And uh, anyways, I was starstruck. I guess I was starstruck. Chalk it up to that. <sighs> Most embarrassing moment on the show. That was for sure in one of the earlier episodes with Noor Tagori, who works in media. She is a, an American journalist. And she talks a lot about how media misrepresent stories a lot. And so I was very interested to meet her and she is so skilled at her craft. So I was already nervous going in to interview the interviewer, you know, and I started reading her bio and she cut me off and was like, oh, that's, that's actually not accurate. I haven't got two podcasts. I've got one podcast or whatever it was. Anyways, her big thing is that media needs to report facts accurately. And here I was reading her freaking bio inaccurately. She called me out and then I was just beyond embarrassed. I ended up leaving the whole conversation in the episode as awkward and as humiliating as it was to make a point that it's really easy to gather information off of the internet about individuals or projects that aren't necessarily fact. I hadn't just made this up. I gathered the information from different sources, but the sources weren't correct. So we always have to fact check. Anyways, it ended up being a great example of how media can be misleading. However, it wasn't ideal that I was the one who fucked up. Okay, let's dive into the next question. Oh, this is from my best friend, Megan. She asks, how fast can you crush a bag of Miss Vicky's and what is your favorite flavor? That is a great question, Megan. You know I can crush a bag of Miss Vicky's chips very, very quickly, especially when we were in our 20s after drinking. Nowadays, I would say that the velocity at which I crush a bag of Miss Vicky's chips would be about One bag in three days, I could absolutely crush a bag in a night, no problem. But uh, yeah, I'd say on average, it would be about three days for a bag. My favorite flavor is plain Miss Vicky's. They are perfect. Those chips are perfection, and I am a chip connoisseur. My next one would be the sweet chili and sour cream, and then the salt and malt vinegar. There you go. I hope that answers your question. Okay, let's shift away from the podcast. And I had a number of questions about anxiety. So the first one is, I struggle with overanalyzing everything in life. This is anxiety. How can I stop doing this? 
the struggle with overanalyzing everything in life. Oh, I know that struggle. Anybody else relate to that when you think about your options over and over again, when you think about starting something over and over again, when you're not sure what to say in the text message or you have that conversation as we talked about in the story with Ashley and then you overanalyze everything that was said or the body language that was occurring. So first of all, I think we've all been there in moments when we can move into a space of overanalyzing and it can be paralyzing, it can be exhausting, uh, and it just takes up a lot of brain space. The first thing to note for anybody who is experiencing anxiety, and I think a lot of people are right now, especially in the time that we're in, is that people can experience anxiety in all different ways, depending on their nature, their body, their personal experiences. Anxiety can prevent as physical feelings, tightness in your chest or bouncy legs or your skin feeling on edge, tingly, prickly. It could be racing thoughts, overthinking, or something like a temperature change or mood even. The first thing whenever we're talking about anxiety is just understanding and recognizing what anxiety looks like for you. So for me, anxiety is generally primarily racing thoughts or worrying, worrying about the future, worrying about my kids, worrying if I'm doing enough with work, worrying, worrying, and worrying some more. I also lose my appetite. I tend to get a little bit colder. I will bite my fingernails more and chew my cuticles. Oh, lots of great things that I do. And so now when I start to notice these things, even when it's uncomfortable, it really just becomes a beacon or a signal to me that it's time to lean into my tools that support my anxiety. It's usually a sign that I need to slow down and rest and simplify a bit, which can be hard, but I've also learned if I don't do those things that the anxiety becomes more heightened. So with any type of anxiety, the number one thing that has supported me is remembering that it's probably going to be a number of things that help you move out of that space. There's no one-stop shop in regards to curing anxiety or overthinking or um, the physical symptoms that come with anxiety. But a couple of the things that really help me that I lean on right away. First is my meditation practice. And let me tell you, when you're feeling anxious, Sitting with that anxiety is the last thing that you want to do. So it has taken a lot of time and practice and patience and having support from uh, either my life coach at first and now a meditation teacher to support me in showing up for myself. But meditation is such a beautiful practice because it actually allows us to change our brains and our neural pathways and our response to stress so that we're more resilient to anxiety. It really is not just about tuning out and forgetting whatever's going on. It's about shaping and transforming your brain so that you're less prone to things like anxiety and overwhelm. Uh, body scans have been really helpful for me. We have body scans available in our meditation package. And uh, these are all tools that we talk about as well in the Raw Beauty Reset. I have... Um, Another thing that I do right away is I cut out alcohol and I cut down to 
one coffee a day. I usually try and make it a half-calf coffee. Um, or I stick with something like an Earl Grey tea with a little bit of milk in it. So I'm still getting a little bit of caffeine. Otherwise I go into withdrawal mode, Um, but it's not as intense and it's not mimicking the same feelings of anxiety and driving those worrying thoughts. So meditation, removing alcohol, which is a depressant. So even though when you have anxiety, it feels good in the moment to have that, your brain kind of stops for a second and your body just feels more calm. Once the alcohol's worn off, it's a depressant. So it's much more likely to leave you spiraling afterwards and then wanting to have more alcohol. And we move into this cycle that's really not supportive of our body. Eating every two to three hours is incredibly important in order to keep and help stabilize your blood sugar levels. When your blood sugar levels are stable, all of the systems in the body are more stable and your brain's going to be functioning properly. So fueling your body consistently, even if you're not hungry, you still have to eat. Keeping yourself warm, so putting on socks or wrapping yourself up in a blanket. If you've ever worked with me as a coach, you'll notice I often have a blanket on my lap or I'll have a big sweater on, so really keeping my body warm and feeling safe. And then another tool that can be really supportive in those moments when you feel like my mind is racing is to find something to distract you, find something light and easy and fun to distract you from whatever it is that you're trying to solve in your mind. So this could be watching a funny show, listening to a funny podcast, getting outside for a walk, uh, calling a friend, but whatever you do, just pull yourself out of that space where you're overanalyzing everything and do your best to create an environment that's not going to further perpetuate those anxious feelings. The next question is also from one of my best friends who's being a butthead and asked me, how do you get period stain out of a white carpet? So, okay, why is she asking this? Well, let's just get into it. We moved back to Vancouver in September. Since my son was born, James, who's five now, we have moved, I think it's six times like more than once a year, which is, I mean, it was always taking us to new great places, but it's a lot. Like I'm really ready to set down roots. So we moved back to Vancouver in September and slowly we've been renovating and updating some things in the home that we moved into, which is super exciting and very fun and also super stressful at the same time in moments. And so we made the decision to put new carpeting upstairs. And we chose this beautiful, plush, cream-colored carpet that all the fibers are one color. There is no room for error with this carpet. It took a lot of negotiating on my part to get the carpet that looked good, but is completely not functional with two young children. And I, you know, I just loved it. And I fall in love with these things and I don't care about the function. And anyways, the carpets went in. They're stunning. They feel so good on my little feet. Well, I actually don't have little feet. My feet are like size 10. So they feel really good on my feet. Anyways, I had a shower. I knew that my period was coming. I had, you know, all the symptoms and things, but what are you got? I got out of the shower. I went into the closet to get ready for bed or whatever. I can't, honestly, I've, again, I black out a lot (laughs) with the details because sometimes the things that happen to me are so shocking. Anyways, I get into the cupboard and I sneeze. What happened next was traumatizing. 
period basically came out and went all freaking over the new <laughs> white cream carpet. And I couldn't breathe. I was like, oh my God. It was on my legs. I couldn't, I couldn't walk without getting it on the carpet. So I had to do this crazy army crawl to try and like save the rest of the carpet, get back into the shower. My mind is racing. What am I going to tell Scott? I can't tell Scott. I've just got to solve this problem. And so I went, I got all the carpet cleaners that we have. I mean, I worked on this stain blotting and and using cold water and using every single tip on Google. And there were some significant improvements. I have to say I did a good job. And luckily this, the fibers of this carpet have some sort of something on them that makes it a bit easier to clean, but like, there's no coming back from period on a white cream carpet. Anyways, about five days later, I finally confessed as to what had happened. There was still a stain, not terrible. We can live with it, but I do have to say like the carpet was just in the home for about two days when this happened. So that Shayna is how you get <laughs> period out of a cream carpet. Not ideal, Erin. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Over. Okay, let's move on to an actual question from not a friend who's trying to give me a hard time. Tips on how to not let the weather affect your mood. We are coming out of 
a long ass winter where we have been isolated. We have been removed from a lot of the things that give us joy and happiness. Our schedules have changed. Our The way that we work has changed. The way that we connect with other people has changed. And also for those of us who are lucky enough to have the opportunity to go on the odd vacation, there have been, there's been no sunny break. There's been no moment of rest from the winter months. And a lot of people are really impacted by darker, shorter days and colder, harsher weather, myself included. So I think the first thing, whenever we notice that our mood is being impacted by anything, whether it's the weather or COVID or that thing that that random person said, the very first thing is to be honest about where you're at, to acknowledge the fact that you're having a bit of a hard time, you're not feeling your best, and to recognize that it's not your fault and it's okay. A lot of people are struggling right now. So recognizing and acknowledging the things that trigger you into a mood that you don't want to be in is the first step. So think right now for a moment, what are some of the things that trigger me? Maybe it's the weather. Maybe it is if you get sick. Maybe it is being around family. Maybe it's being isolated. Maybe there's certain media that you can watch or hear or listen to that triggers you into a mood that doesn't feel great. And then we want to make a bit of a trigger action plan. So what are the things that can support you when you've been triggered in moving into a a space that feels a little bit better? So it's best to do this activity when you're not actually triggered and when you're not in that deep, dark space of despair. If you're in that space right now, give it a shot anyways. But I want you to make a list. We're going to call it your personal nourishment menu. Make a list of all the things that support you in feeling a little bit better. Maybe it's going outside or having a really good FaceTime with a close friend. Maybe it's carving out time for a bath or moving your body. Maybe having your coffee while you're not working and just actually sitting and enjoying it. When you're in that space where the weather's impacting your mood, I want you to turn to your personal nourishment menu. What are some of the things that help fill you up, that help light you up? Journaling, reading. I know it's hard sometimes to get yourself to do these things when you're in that space. And that's why we really have to write these items down and almost write a letter to yourself from uh, a different space, from that space where you're feeling okay, and remind yourself of the steps that you need to take when you're in that down space to get yourself out of it. I'd also encourage you to identify what I call high energy activities and low energy activities. So for a lot of people, the most common low energy activities that I hear are things like scrolling social media endlessly, watching Netflix for hours and hours, disengaging from other human beings, not reaching out to friends, not connecting with other people, procrastinating. So write down the things that you know actually don't give you more energy, that make you feel a bit more blah, or perhaps they trigger anxiety or depression in you. And then I want you to make a list of your high energy activities. And a lot of the high energy activities are going to be the same as the ones that you have on your personal nourishment menu. And so this second list of high energy and low energy activities is a bit of a guideline to help you identify What are the things that will serve me in improving my energy levels and improving my mood? If you are feeling like you're not in a good space and you look at that sheet and see, 
you know what? I've been isolating. I'm sleeping a lot more than I know serves me. I'm scrolling social media a lot. I haven't reached out to friends and family. No wonder I'm in this mood and no wonder I'm in this space. I'm not getting outside because it's rainy. Well, maybe it's time to put on that rain jacket and get your butt outside anyways. So when, as I said, when we're in this space where our mood is impacted or we're feeling a little bit more low, it can be hard to figure out the steps to take, which is why it is vital that you write it down, write an action plan for yourself that is going to support you when you're in those spaces with a step-by-step guide to move you out of it. In regards to the weather piece in particular, Finding ways to get outside is still really important, and I know that's hard when it's really cold or really wet or it's getting darker earlier, but can you even take a five-minute break to go stand outside? Can you walk around the block? I think sometimes we have to change our expectation of how much we're going to do. You don't have to go for a 10-kilometer run to get some fresh air. You can just go out and walk around the block and then come back home. Including vitamin D into your supplement routine can be really helpful. I know a lot of women are uh, depleted in the vitamin D stores, especially by the end of the winter. And then there are a lot of options as well for light therapy. And that's something that you can have in your room that you can give to yourself, you know, if you have the financial capacity, of course, to support those hormones and and your mood. One last tool to add to your toolbox. It's called the Raw Beauty Reset. It's my 12-week coaching program specifically for women who are struggling with their relationship with food and their body. It's based on four key pillars, nourishment, movement, mindset, and self-love. You'll learn how to eat intuitively, how to create empowering beliefs within yourself, how to move your body in ways that feel joyful. So if you feel like you've been in a bit of a COVID winter slump, that you're finding it hard to get motivated, that you're not feeling great in your body, maybe your eating's off, you're restricting, or you're overeating or binging, this program was designed and created specifically for you. You can watch my free webinar, Five Steps to End the Battle with Food and Your Body, to give you a glimpse of some of the ways that I work as a coach. You can find that link down below. The Raw Beauty Reset is available to start any time. Three payments of $99. That's 25 bucks a week. I wanted it to be like you could replace your latte in order to join this program, which I think would give you a lot more satisfaction and a sense of calm and connection to your body and overall wellness. That's the Raw Beauty Reset. You can click the links below to check it out. We'd love to see some of you in there. The last question that I'm going to answer today is, how did you start showing up as a health coach? They were referring to how did I start showing up on social media and actually reaching out to clients and actually connecting with people as a health coach. And This is such a great question because regardless as to whether you're a health coach or you're trying to figure out what your career is or you're looking to make a leap in the profession that you're in right now, there are a lot of moments in life that require us to really get brave and find courage to step into things that feel really hard. I think this question is complicated and it's one that I hear all the time from women that I'm working with is that we have these desires or these dreams for ourselves, but there's a lot of fear as to how we'll get there and whether we're worthy of those dreams and are we good enough and are we smart enough and do we do this and that and the other thing enough? And these beliefs that we carry about ourselves hold a lot of power. They shape the behaviors that we take. 
and whether or not we'll take the chances to step forward. So what I know to be true for me, and others might have a different experience, is that I've never taken a step forward that wasn't surrounded with a lot of fear and self-doubt. For me, that's always been there. That's always been part of the process and thoughts that pop into my head. I have just learned to ignore them, perhaps sometimes explore them or talk about them with somebody like my husband or my parents or my sisters or my best friends. I don't allow them to run the show. I don't allow those thoughts to determine whether or not I do or do not show up in my life. Because if I did, let me tell you, I don't even know where I would be right now. And what I've personally experienced is that doing the hard things, even though I was afraid, even though the self-doubt was there, it did start to give me more confidence. It did start to turn down the volume on that little voice that was saying, you can't do that, or you're not good enough, or what will they think? All of that dialogue starts to fade the more you start to show up. And the more you prove to yourself that you can actually do it. Now, I have done a lot of things that quote unquote failed. So I've taken steps and been fearful that I would fail. And I did fail. I failed. I failed countless times. I mean, I could create a list for you that would be two pages long of the times that I did something and it totally flopped or people didn't engage or somebody said no. But the other thing that gives you confidence is standing up again and continuing to try doing it a little bit different and remembering that there is no such thing as failure. There's only learning. There is no such thing as failure. There's only learning. So if I can't fail, but I can learn, I can take those new learnings, apply it to what I'm doing, show up a little bit differently, try a little bit differently, release that thing a little bit differently. And slowly over time, it's gotten me to a space that I'm really proud of. The self-doubt and the fears, they're still there. They still pop up for me. It often sounds like you don't know what you're doing. Somebody else is already doing this. There's not space for you. She's doing that so much better. How come she gets it and you don't get it? You're getting too old for this. I mean, the list goes on and on. But those thoughts, I don't allow them to hold much space in my mind anymore. I hear them. Sometimes I'll mention them to my husband in particular. And he's like, what is that? Get that thought out of your mind. You're doing this. You're trying this. I'm so lucky to have him supporting me and cheering me on. If you don't have a Scott in your life or a support network like I do, let me be the one to tell you right now that the dreams that you have are valid. They are worthy and they are the things that will light you up and support your community in the greatest way. And we need more women now than ever who are lit up doing the things that they were meant to do and using the gifts that they were given. So please try, start, fail, fall, learn, and keep going. Keep going every single day. Keep pushing forward. Don't play it small. Allow yourself to take up space to show up bigger and to do the damn thing. So if you need to know how to get period stain out of a carpet, or how fast I can eat a bag of Miss Vicky's chips, or how to get yourself out of a funk that you're in, or how to overcome anxiety, there are a few of my answers. 
This whole podcast, the last 100 episodes have been a giant Q&A with women who have shown up vulnerably, authentically to give you the gift of their lessons and their tools and the light that has turned on within them. I hope that you have the opportunity to dive into these episodes, to take what resonates, and as always, leave behind the stuff that doesn't feel right for you. This is your journey, your life. No one else can write the story but you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. I had a blast answering your questions. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to share it with somebody that you love and care about. ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.